Mike Brennan, known as Mike Bone on Instagram, is a graphic designer by trade who went from going on a giant pause in drawing to getting back to it every single day for nine years straight. And that shift pretty much saved his life. If you'd like to hear his story, then join us as we discuss art as a tool to overcome depression, why you can't find balance, what it means to be a real artist, bringing in the traditional feeling to digital art, and tips to get you to make more art. Want to be part of the show? Then send in your questions or topics you'd like to see covered to our email at hello at etcherlab.com. If you send us an audio recording, we might include it in the episode. Hi, I'm Anya, and this is Make More Art, a podcast by Etcher, meant to inspire you to keep on creating. Now let's hear from our guest. Okay, Mike, uh, I was listening to your own podcast because I know you have your own podcast. I was looking through your art. Um, so can you, for all the listeners who do not know you yet, because they're about to, can you give us a short uh, condensed version of where you came from and what you're doing right now? Yes, uh, condensed may be a challenge, but I will do my best. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so my name is Mike Brennan and I, uh, my, my background is actually graphic design. So I went to art school in New York city, the school of visual arts for graphic design, worked in the field for many, many years. Um, came to a point where I was doing a lot of work in that field and not anything personal and really felt like I needed to get back in touch with that place where I was creating art because I loved it and because um, it just brought me joy. And um, that coupled with some life events and dealing with some depression and things dovetailed me into a place where I started to investigate a 365 day art making journey and was like, I don't know if I can do this because I haven't done art in personal art for like the past 10 years. Um, how do I do this again? But step by step, slowly, day by day, I started to apply myself to that and learn and grow and understand some things, find my voice, find my style. And through that journey, realized that this stuff isn't just for me, but I think it's also for other people. It's other creatives who are maybe struggling, maybe stuck and frustrated. And so started to um, figure out what are the key principles and takeaways that I've learned and how can I share them with other people. So today that's really where I'm at, where I do graphic design still. Uh, that's my part of my business, um, logos and branding and such. Um, but then there's also another side of my business where I am you know, helping other creatives. And I have a podcast, like you said, called Creative Chats, where I talk with creative people of all sorts of expressions because I believe that the creative journey and process is something that we can all learn from each other, regardless of whatever the um, particulars are. There are universal things in people's stories and experiences. And sometimes as artists, you know, we, we feel like we go away in our cave and we create, you know, it's a solitary activity. Um, and it can feel very lonely sometimes, especially today, you know, in our culture right now. Um, but I think the more that we have conversation and the more that we, hear from other people and realize, oh, you know what, what I'm experiencing isn't uh, just 
about me isn't isn't just my story it's somebody else's story too so um all that stuff is is baked into everything that i do today Awesome. You did it. You somehow managed to condense it into like two minutes. I'm, I'm mesmerized. I was not, uh, you're good at this. I'm, I, I'm terrible at it. Okay. First off, this is, this is why I was so excited to talk to you. Um, I also have a graphic background, a graphic design background as well. I also had a huge gap, like stopped doing art for a long time. Uh, and I see a lot of, uh, myself in your story and I love, how important, essential maybe, that's the word to you. It's, it feels like, you know, art brings us all together and uh, creativity is a little bit everywhere, not just art making. Uh, yeah, and your absolutely. podcast, your podcast is living proof of that. So my first question would be, after 10 years focused in the graphic design and other things and completely, you know, not worrying, not thinking about art. What was it? What Do you remember the moment that made you just click and realize that art was something that needed to be part of your daily routine? Yes. Um, so there's, there's a, in that 10 year gap, right? So there, there's a little bit more to the story. I was working in the design field, bouncing around probably every five years or so, you know, you'd kind of hit a ceiling where either you felt like you couldn't go any further in a company or there were personnel changes or other changes. And so, and part of that also is the, let me use one job, go as far as I can, use that as a stepping stone to something else. Um, but I got to this point where there was like a deadline every two weeks. I was doing magazine layout, loved it. Great people, great company. But I just started to feel like I was part of the machine. And I wasn't enjoying the work that I was doing. And I had another deadline right on top of it. And that really wore on me for a little while. And then there was another part of me that was very relational and very much into helping people and um, very plugged into my home church um, and trying to serve people basically and, and help and be a part of something relational. Um, and so that tension in me caused me to really desire to leverage more of my time and energy and effort to helping people. And so I ended up going into full-time ministry for about 10 years. And it was during that 10 years that I wasn't really doing much art at all. Um, you know, I did some design stuff in the context of ministry where it was, but that wasn't the focus. And then again, I didn't do any personal art whatsoever. So I didn't realize how much that was going to mess with me because when you're an artist and when you're a creator, you have to create. And when you don't, it, it messes with your rhythms. It messes with your, just your whole being because you're not doing the thing that you are supposed to be doing. And the thing that really brings not only you life, but the people around you. So deny that long enough and things will start to fall apart. Um, and so that culminated with a couple of other things. Um, I found myself in a place where I was suffering from depression and was trying to make sense of a lot of things. And Not was trying sorry to, to interrupt you, but how does one find themselves in the place of depression? How did you notice that was happening? Yeah, well, that, that's a great question. And to be honest with you, I didn't notice. The people around me noticed. They started saying things like, you're not yourself. And I was like, what are you talking about? Who, who would I be if I'm not myself? Like, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. And they were like, you're, 
you're not relating to people the same. You're not, you're just countenance isn't the same. Like the way you're showing up in life isn't the same. And the, the thing was, I was so busy. I had so many responsibilities and I had a lot of roles that were not in my gifting, mm-hmm. more administrative type things. And I was kind of thinking to myself, well, if I was depressed, I would just be like on the couch all day, just all kind of sad and mopey and not like, getting out of bed. Yeah. I'm like, that's what depression looks like, but I, that's not what my life and experience is right now. But I didn't realize the full scope of what depression really was yeah. and what, how it could show up. And so the more that I started to embrace that thought and I realized that emotionally I felt like a, a knotted up ball of twine and I couldn't mm-hmm. find the edges. So I couldn't find and figure out even to self-diagnose what's my problem. How do I get out of this? How do I find hope again? Mm-hmm. I started to feel like I was walking around with like a huge bag of rocks tied to me so that everything I was doing was, was uh, so much effort. Mm-hmm. And, um, that culminated with just some some other life events. You know, my father uh, being diagnosed with cancer and passing away very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, a family situation where you know I had to leave the the position that I was in, and then we had to sell our home, and just a lot of loss, a, mm-hmm. lot, a big season of stripping away. And when you feel like you just come to this place of rock bottom, and you're like, is is this what life has come to? Like where do we go from here? Or is there a place to go from here? It was very dark and very, um, just, it felt hopeless for a long period of time. Did you realize that? uh, I did in some sense because it, it scared me because I always felt like I wasn't, I was able to be an optimistic person. I was able Mm. to have hope and find hope in things. And especially in the place of, you know, when I'm in, in, you know, doing ministry, I'm, I'm all about trying to help other people and bring hope to them. Um, and here I was in a place of leadership and I'm like, I can't even lead myself. Um, so it was, it was a very, um, difficult season, but thankfully I was surrounded by people who encouraged me to seek help. And, um, and, and then because of having to leave those situations, you know, the, the, the job in ministry and, um, trying to figure out what comes next. That led me on a path where I ended up taking another design position. It was in another church. That's what brought me to where I live now, currently in New Jersey. And it was a moment where it was like, we're going to pull the car on the side of the road. We're going to get some health and some perspective. And I'm not going to be in a place of leadership and making high decisions and in authority anymore, but I'm going to be off to the side, getting some health and getting some renewed um, perspective and life. And I resisted it at first, but it was one of the best things that could have happened because that led me back to my art. And I remember journaling every day, just trying to pour out my emotion and try to make sense of some of my thoughts and my feelings and experiences. And in that moment, um, which I just, I believe is just God whispering to me and saying, come back to your art because you need it right now it's for you. It's not for a client. It's not for a product. It's not for a committee. It may not even be for someone to see other than you create something because it brings you joy. You know? So two things I want to ask you. One is why do you think that we are so eager to help other people, but we are so terrible at helping ourselves? Yeah, I think that probably 
we're so conditioned to be thinking about other people, to be helping, right? Um, and and be useful. Um, it's sometimes tied to our purpose, we feel. Hmm. And we know that we would, you know, for the most part, I think people know that they shouldn't treat people a certain way, um, that they should treat people with respect, that they should treat people um, with kindness and love. I mean, unfortunately, today there's there's some less of that and in, in some things that we've seen. But I think by and large, that's still something that is 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 valued. Um, as people. And yet when it comes to ourselves, we, we treat ourselves in a way that we would never treat somebody else. Um, we hold our, ourselves to standards and we talk to ourselves in such a way that we would never talk to to somebody else. Um, and I think that's just a disconnect because sometimes it's our own pressures and us not really knowing what to do with some of our experiences and our, our emotion. Sometimes it's also attaching things that have been said to us when we were younger or in other parts of our lives. Um, there are other people's voices that we practice continually, even if those people aren't around. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to kind of unlearn some of that stuff, you know? How, how do we do that? Do you, I mean, you've gone through such a long journey. How can we yeah. help ourselves? How can we be kinder to ourselves? Because this is for everything, for life and for our own art. Because as we make art, it looks like we're always afraid that this, uh, you know, uh, imaginable cop or judge is going to peek through our shoulders and say, oh, what you're making yeah. is terrible. Oh, my God, you're such a beginner. And the person who has that voice, it's usually ourselves. And we are our own, we are our own uh, biggest enemies when it comes to stopping ourselves from making art art so how do you you know maybe the word isn't tame that voice but how do you befriend it yeah i think it's it it, from the more that i push into that stuff and the older i get i think there's so much of it is tied to mindset and i think we need to learn how to value ourselves and what who we are and what we can do Um, some of it is an identity thing for us, mm-hmm. like knowing truly who we are and what value we have. Um, for me, that's tied a lot to my faith and to who I believe that God has created me to be and why I'm here and helping other people and living my life in such a way that I can hopefully make things better. Um, even if it's for the people who are around me, I want to be a blessing. Uh, I want them to feel like they're loved and seen and heard and the things that I create can move them and touch them and bring some beauty. So, you know, if I'm not, if I don't know that about myself, if I don't know enough of who I am and remind myself enough of who I am, then I can't show up the way that I need to, not only for myself, but for the people around me. So there's a lot at stake. And so I think there's no easy path or answer I don't think but I think it's it's one of self-exploration and um, discovery rediscovery um, and working on mindset it's yeah. it's exposing what is it that I believe about myself that is not helpful and where did I start believing that what where are the lies that I've taken as truth and how can I replace that with what's actually true because the more that I can do that, the more that I'm breaking through some of those limiting beliefs 
the more that I can show up and do more things of, of maybe what it is I'm supposed to do here. Because I think we don't realize sometimes what's at actually at stake. Uh, again, not just even for us, but for somebody else who may be waiting on something that only you can create or, or how you're going to show up in the world. Um, you could be the difference maker that could set off a chain of events or the ripple effect that you'll never even actually know about. But had you not shown up, that wouldn't happen. You know? Yeah. And to add to that, to your, uh, to your nuggets of wisdom, I think also that by surrounding ourselves with people that lift us up, we can become our best selves. And there's, so there's this thing going on that if you have a problem, you have to fix it, where I actually believe that not all problems have solutions. And sometimes putting a lot of effort and attention into certain problems is giving them a voice. So some problems or some people or some bad situations sometimes are better just left ignored because we're not fooling, not giving oxygen to the fire so it burns brighter. So I think there's also that. So sometimes you just need to know when to just not pay attention like the haters online. Oh, look at them spending their own energy commenting on my stuff. That's that's on them. I'm not going to spend my energy, you know, getting back to them because that's just, you know, not productive and and leave it aside and yeah and mindset something else that i just want to point out is mindset is not something that once you have it you got it it's something that you have to work towards all the time like oh you gotta find balance you don't find balance you may just tip on it i'm like oh my god i'm balanced right now but you have to keep on juggling the you know just oh my god one 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 weird step and i'll just go a little bit more to the left or to the right or so it's a work in progress it's not something that you get and it's done it's constantly putting in effort and um yeah calming yourselves um okay thank you for for that for that conversation so now going a little bit into the art before I dive in further into that, when did art become essential to you? When you were a younger kid? Yes. Yeah, I I knew early on, I mean, I was the typical kid who was creating drawings and having them being put up on the fridge by my parents. <laughs> um, you know, all that stuff, right? I mean, that's how everybody starts out. But obviously not everybody continues on that journey. But for me, some of my earliest memories were creating greeting cards for family members. And, you know, sometimes it was me actually tracing um, comics, mm-hmm. you know, like we would have our, our you know, Sunday funnies pages, you know, the comic strips. And it was like Garfield or like, you know, whatever cartoon characters. And I would make my own versions of them and then create these greeting cards and then give it to family members. And Looking back, I realized, you know, that it was very formidable for me because I made this thing, I gave it to somebody, and it made them smile. It it, it had an impact on their life. And that instilled in me from that early moment, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to create things that move people, that even if it just brings a smile, to know that I have the power to create something, to, to make that connection and to have that happen, that's an incredible thing. And so it was, it was just natural and it was part of what I wanted to do more and more of. Um, and as well, when I was younger, I watched a lot of cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that was my world. Research. It was, you know, Looney Tunes. Yeah, well, you know, and, and <laughs> it's funny because I never actually 
thought about who drew the characters, like who the animators were, who the artists were. I, it I just it was there. About yeah. It was it was like, yeah, I, I cared more about the characters, the world. Like I wanted to be a cartoon. I wanted to jump into the screen and live in those environments and get whacked in the head and not have it like, you know, result in, in anything that was actually hurt. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And, That's you know, if you don't it. look at the ground, you won't fall. It's just as long as you exactly. just don't look down. <laughs> oh, good. This gracious. Oh, my God. Okay. So art was always there for you. And it was what when you, so um, I, when you went to college, did you go for graphic design or general design or did you go for art art? No. So, you know, I had that, I was in high school, was taking a lot of art classes in high school, loved it, continued to explore some things and you know, the conversation that all parents dread came and it was like, hey, I want to go to art school. Um, so, you know, my parents were kind of like, um, are you sure? Like, uh, you know, um, and I get it. You know, they only want what's best, you know, as, as most, you know, all parents want them, their, mm -hmm. their child to succeed. So I was in the place where I was like, no, this is what I want to do. And they realized I was going to be stubborn enough. And so the conversation turned a little bit to well, if you're going to go to art school, can you at least major in something that potentially gives you a career making some kind of money? Um, they didn't want me to be the quote starving artist, of course, right? Yeah. So we talked about graphic design and I was okay with that because I thought to myself, well, I could maybe do some like album covers or something in the entertainment industry. You know, I was, uh, there was enough of an interest thematically that I was like, okay, I can... I could see myself doing that. Besides the fact that as I started to get more into the circles in art school, I was really overwhelmed with the amount of talent I was surrounded by. Mm. And I actually convinced myself that I was not a great artist and could not draw, would never be successful as either an illustrator or a fine artist or anything other than graphic design. Because hmm. I couldn't do photorealism as a style. Oh, my God. Oh. And that was the thing that stuck in me. For whatever reason, that was the benchmark for me of success. And that was a successful artist. If I could do photorealism and my proportions were great and perfect and, you know, values were, were such that this thing looked exactly like a photo, then great. But I struggled immensely with that and therefore told myself, I guess I'm just not cut out for that. So I concentrated all my effort on graphic design. I was like, I'll be yeah. okay with color, I'm fonts and design, layout, all that stuff. Great. No problem. I could do that. You know, totally not, not an issue at all. But there was always this nagging sense of like, you're not good enough when it came to other type of art. And I knew like intellectually, like there are other types of artists out there. There's a lot of types of artists and famous ones, things that you'd see hanging in a museum that are not photorealistic. You know, <laughs> I knew this, but yet for me, that hung over me in such a, that was one of those lies I had to, mm. to confront and, um, and realize, no, actually I'm a mess and I need to embrace my mess. And I may draw things that are wonky looking and weird proportionally or not correct, you know, in, in those terms, but that's okay. And that's actually good because that's me. Mm -hmm. And the more that I can show up in my art being me, the more that it's going to be authentic and the mm -hmm. more it's going to resonate with the people around me. Yeah. And it's not going to look like I'm just trying to copy the masters or copy 
some ideal that I think I should, you know, uh, it's not playing a role. It's being authentic. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, cause again, so there, okay. First thing, so many things I'm trying to control my rent monster right now. It's just, ah. So one thing is I, I love how you say that back when you stopped making art, you came to the realization that if you do not create, if you don't put it out there, it kind of consumes you from within. You know, it's like a superhero. If they don't release their power every once in a while, the power consumes them and they go to the dark side and uh, yes. the world is all in trouble. So that's like the power of the artist. I, did, I just, we should make uh, an illustration about this. Uh, if you're listening to this episode, I'd love to see that. So make some art. Uh, and then why... Are we making art? I mean, there are so many misconceptions because maybe because one, when we do art in, you know, kindergarten, preschool, middle school, it's almost like recess time. It's like just have fun and it's not taken yeah. seriously. It's not like, okay, we have to do math right now. So everyone just shh, quiet, focus, and let's just focus on our numbers because this is real serious. Well, when we do art in, you know, school, it's super chill. Uh, so maybe that's part of why we have this mindset that uh, being an artist is not serious enough or there's no jobs when, you know, if you look at anywhere, Netflix, HBO, yeah. Disney, it's all through art. Uh, yeah. So it's not just the cartoons. In cartoons, it's a lot of people to make one episode, let alone a whole series. It's also in movies. It's, it's in the menu of the restaurant you see. It's, I mean... It's everywhere. Uh, it's what makes yeah. our furniture really comfortable and, and nice and, and, and appealing and us feel at home. It's just like, otherwise you'd be living in a grayish, weird world and just feeling very unhappy and you have no idea why. Um, and then it's like, so why are you making art? So if you're making art because you are a hobbyist who just wants to make some art because it makes you feel good, uh, then great. If you're making art because you want to be a professional artist in a specific field, then what do you really need to master to make that job happen? And sometimes the answer is, yes, you need to know your fundamentals really well. You really need to know your color theory. You really need to know your proportions, your anatomy, your perspective, and so on and so forth. Or maybe, yes, you do need to get a good grasp of uh, how proportions and anatomy work, just so then you can make your own thing. And even though it's not, like you said, anatomically, anatomically correct, it does not look weird. It works because you understand the base principle that makes it work, and then you can make it look like you want. So that's why they're yeah. called fundamentals. And... So, yeah, I, I think I did not go way too long on my uh, rent wave surfing. So that said, your uh, messy and filled with live art that I, I'm, I'm a fan of. I love your portraits. Um, now, what is it about art that bringing smile to people's faces through your art? Why does that matter so much to you? That's a good question. I think it's because... Partially the way that I'm wired in being so relational. Um, I think as a kid, I was a kid who was very shy and didn't feel like I fit in with a lot of people. Um, hmm. Don't we belong. all? 
Yeah, I, it's true. It's true. The, the more that you you live life and the more conversations you have, you realize that that's probably more the norm than the people who felt like they fit in. But when you're a kid, you don't know any better. And I think that yeah. helps shape some things for better or worse. And one of the things I think that was good was that it, it continued to foster a sense of empathy in me mm-hmm. and to be to notice the people around me and to care about how my life overlaps with theirs. Mm-hmm. And so even aside from art, you know, I remember my mom used to take me as a kid to a department store and she, she just loved shopping. Right. So she dragged me out and I'd be bored as a kid and I'm there and I'm like kind of running around in the clothing racks and like, you know, trying to, use my imagination. I don't know. I was trying to be busy and she was shopping. And and, I've, and what I'm about to say, some people are going to be horrified because they're going to think like, what Uh-oh. the heck, you know, <laughs> but this was a different time. Uh, you know, this was like, you know, the late seventies, whatever, early eighties. Um, and you know, she wasn't far, but I would wander over towards the, the front door of the store. Mm-hmm. And I noticed people kind of moving in and out and I started to hold the door open for people. And I, then saw people go, thank you, young man. I really appreciate that, you know? And, and they, they smiled oh. because I held the door open for them. And it made me feel good to know that, again, I could do something as simple as hold the door open for somebody and maybe they were having a bad day and that small act made them smile. It made them feel seen and noticed and cared for by a simple thing. Yeah. And so I think the more that I could identify that and the more that I could gravitate towards that, whether that was in my art or outside of my art, um, the better person I could be and show up as. And then again, the more blessing there could be for other people around me. You know, you said something a little while ago. Um, I'm not saying your exact words because I can't remember the exact words, but something along the lines of uh, it, it looks like we have more of the bad out there today. In my own opinion, I just think we have way more access to information than we had before. And the bad has a really bad voice because when someone is sad, frustrated, angry, you name it, they have to voice it out to just discharge and get some sense of calmness. calmness. While when you do something really kind to help someone else, they get filled with, you know, love or joy or happiness but not they don't necessarily feel the need to say it out loud to other people yet i do feel like they feel compulsed to do something nice for someone else like i call it the kindness chain once you do something kind towards someone else they're more likely to keep on propagating that and when you do something you know less nice they will just be very loud about it because we are human beings are very loud about what we do not like and not as much about what we like yeah Yeah, all of this just to say that i find it fascinating that we can we can spread goodness and kindness through our art i mean i saw this video on on again social media the other day that someone was you know as you probably do every a lot of artists uh do it you go on the train and on subway and just sketch someone that you see and that person he was sketching this lady and then at the end of the stop he just like hey i i, I just drew you uh please if you want you can have it and, and she started crying because she was having a bad day and that just made her whole day so i i wish um more artists would do something stuff like that and you know it would just increase shares and and just put some yeah. smiles out on their faces 
Okay, focusing on your art now before we wrap this up because we still have some some yeah. time. Digital or traditional and why? Uh, as far as my preference? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, it's funny, but I definitely do, I'd say 85, 90% digital. Mm -hmm. And I say it's funny because when I was first getting back into my art, my personal art, I swore off digital because it was too close to graphic design. Um, I needed to separate in my own mind that this was for me, not for work. And if it was for me, it was going to be in a sketchbook. It was going to be with traditional materials that I hadn't used since I was in art school and, you know, blowing the dust off of all my supplies that were dormant for so long. <laughs> right. So I started with more traditional. Mm -hmm. I started with, you know, analog, if you will. And then slowly started to make some allowances um, because what I what I found was I needed to break things down into small projects. Mm -hmm. That's how I worked best. That's how I, I managed to, you know, this this journey that that I shared before the 365 day art making journey. I started that, and I'm now in year nine, where every single day I've shown up and done a drawing or painting, and that in the beginning looked like I had 15 minutes. Can I do a quick sketch in my sketchbook just, you know, with a pen mm -hmm. uh, and how to be okay with that? Um, then I started to do certain like 30 day themed projects and things so moved into some other spaces. I said, I'll allow myself to do something digital on my iPad. Um, and, and not feel like it's graphic design related and just be okay. And then honestly, the biggest game changer for that was when the Apple Pencil came out and I had got, I, I bought like I upgraded my iPad to, you know, the really big size and it, that coupled with Apple Pencil, it was like nothing else that I had experienced prior. Um, and using programs like Procreate, um, I was amazed by not just the intuitive nature, because I could never, you know, I tried to, to do the, the, um, the Wacom tablets, you know, but that there was always a disconnect with me looking at the screen and drawing with my hand over here on the tablet. And I was like, I, it didn't feel right to me. I could never get used to that. But for me on an iPad, drawing with Apple Pencil, looking where I'm drawing, it being much more intuitive, coupled with the amazing, um, brushes and, and other presets that you could now have that make things look more analog. It doesn't feel cold and digital. And that's mm -hmm. what I love is bringing a lot of textures, a lot of splatter, a lot of that stuff in a digital environment where some, some people look at it and they go, you did that digitally? Holy cow, it doesn't look digital at all. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's why I love doing it like that. So I say digital, but it's, it's also bringing in textures and aesthetics that are not digitally looking if that makes sense mm -hmm, it does um so the way that and I, I was just hearing about your 365 art making journey so did you set out to make a drawing a day for a full year or did you organize that in sprints of months how did you yeah so 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 when I, when I first came back to my art, it was, okay, I need to do this for me, right? I need to figure out what this looks like. 
and then thinking, how am I going to show up for 365 days when I haven't shown up for 10 years? Mm -hmm. That's too big of a leap. That's like telling me you have a suitcase of a billion dollars for me. (laughs) Great. I can't imagine that, unfortunately. Um, If somebody wants to give that to me, great. Let's talk. But um, I needed to break it down to smaller bite sizes so that I could figure out what it would look like and also not feel like I was shackling myself with something that I was going to become disinterested in. Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to do seven days of my pets or, or animals and just do some drawings, whatever I could manage, you know, and some of this earlier on, right. So I have, I have a family, I have a, I have a job. Um, I'm trying to fit this in my life and I would have to steal moments. I would steal time during a lunch hour. I would steal time during a commute. I would steal time at night when everybody's in bed or earlier in the morning before everybody got up. Um, or maybe I was at a, a store and I was waiting in line and I, I just, you know, was waiting for the checkout and that time normally would be wasted. How could I start to redeem those moments? And so that's where it really started to take shape, uh, in those small moments with, with, again, breaking it down saying, can I do 15 minutes? Maybe that's all I can manage today. Be okay with that. And it comes against what I call the, ma- the masterpiece mentality which is, I think a lot of artists want a huge time block to be able to sit down, create the masterpiece in one sitting, you know, come out of their studio, holding it up high with a beam of light from heaven and say, it is done, (laughs) here it is, it's for the world. Yeah, exactly. But the truth is that doesn't really happen. Yeah. That's that those are those are the outlier experiences. So what really happens is, you know, you show up, you make some mistakes, you you explore, um, you, you figure some things out, and then you kind of rinse and repeat day after day. It's it's the stringing together consistency that allows you to have those breakthrough moments and those moments where, yes, now I've produced this piece where I feel it's one of the best things that I've done. But you don't just sit down and, and do that because you have you know half a day to dedicate to it or because, you know, you, you just think that that's how it's supposed to work. Even the masters didn't do that, right? We're looking at work in museums. That's pretty much like the ancient highlight reel of Instagram, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and again, we can fall into the trap of comparison, thinking they did that. That's what I have to do. But really remind yourself that there's work underneath a lot of things. People painted over things and there's backsides to paintings that you never see that were failed attempts that you, you know what I mean? So why would we not allow ourselves the ability to do that as well? Um, So anyway, doing all that in the span of seven day sprints, 14 day sprints, 30 day sprints. I did a hundred day project, right? That's a really uh, um, popular Uh, to do alongside with other people where people are choosing to do whatever activity for 100 days. And I said, okay, I'm going to try my hand at doing 100 days of portraits or, you know, seven days of flowers or, you know, 14 days of hands and feet or, you know, whatever the, I just explored as many different subject matters and as many different types of mediums in small sprints because I was exploring, because I was trying to figure it out. And then once I had the ability to go, okay, I know that I like that. I know that I don't like that. I would take that information and then just build on it. 
where I would go, okay, I did this, I used this certain material in this seven day sprint and most of it was a failure. But the one thing I did learn was how to use this tool or maybe it was experimenting with, hey, I painted with a stick. I went out in my yard and I just found a stick and I started painting with it. Now, all that art that I created with it isn't gonna go anywhere. I'm not gonna sell it. I'm not gonna really show it to anybody. But I figured out that if I want this kind of texture, I can use a stick. Now that's a tool in my toolbox that I can use on purpose and apply that to some other project in the future. So it's, it's understanding that there's so much to this is a journey and it's giving yourself permission and giving yourself a place to show up consistently and take off the pressure of it has to be perfect. It has to be a masterpiece every single time. Um, understand that it each thing has its place in the context of your overall journey and story. Wow. It's great. Before we wrap up, any last words you'd like to tell anyone who's going through uh, a hard time trying to get back at art and having no clue where to start? Yes, I would say a, a couple of things. Number one, treat yourself with kindness. You are probably beating yourself up And like we said before, you're talking to yourself in a way that you wouldn't talk to somebody else. So start with kindness, gentleness, allow yourself to be in your space where you are and understand that it's not a permanent place. And then I would say, engage, show up. And sometimes, it seems like the most uncreative thing to do, but sometimes the best thing that we can do is actually put it on our calendar and guard it like an important appointment and say, in this hour or this half hour or whatever it is, this is when I'm showing up to do my art. And whatever happens in that, I'm gonna be okay with. And then I'm gonna rinse and repeat. I'm gonna show up again and do that again and not worry about well, you know, I'm going to show up at that half hour and then spend that whole half hour trying to find my art supplies or think about what is it that I'm going to create. I'm going to be like staring at a blank canvas, you know. Um, steal other moments to do some of that stuff. Set yourself up with a place if you can. Know where your supplies are. Have all the stuff ready so that any of those barriers don't block you from the beginning. Um, and create a list in your phone in the notes section of some things that you'd like to explore or some things that you need handy, some ideas and concepts so that when you can sit down, you can at least start to play and let it be that play and experiment because then it's freedom. It's not perfection. And there's not this sense of like weightiness that paralyzes you and makes you just, you know, not even start. Um, Show up, be consistent, whatever that looks like for you right now. Keep building, be engaged. When was the last time that art made you or a friend of yours smile? Share your stories with me and Mike in the comment section of the post associated with this episode at etcherlab.com forward slash Brennan. That's E-T-C-H-R-L-A-B.com forward slash B-R-E-N-N-A-N or... If you're watching this on YouTube, 
simply let us know in the comment section below. Also, I really want to take this opportunity to let you know that this podcast is going through some interesting changes. So please make sure to listen to the next episode where we will make an official announcement. If you're enjoying the podcast, please help us keep the show alive. You can subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts at etcherlab.com forward slash go forward slash Apple. Or if you're more of a YouTube viewer, please make sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our most recent videos. Sharing is caring and every little bit helps. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Until then, let's make more art. <laughs>